I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast, episode 20. You are listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with Dr. Abby Metcalf. Change your relationship even if your partner won't do a thing. Hey everyone, welcome to the Relationships Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Abby Metcalf, and today we're going to talk about the seven beliefs you have about money that are hurting your relationship. Today you're going to learn about these seven beliefs. You're in the right place. Uh, Even if you think money is okay in your relationship and it's not a problem and you guys are great. I think I have ways it could be even better. And if money has been a source of stress at different times, then today is certainly going to help for sure, for sure. But for both of you, even I've had couples come in who think money isn't an issue. We get along great on this point. And then when I go over this stuff, they realize that there were some things they had going on that needed to be fixed to have long-term happiness, you know, that weren't going to get in the way later. So you definitely want to tune in today. If you're in a relationship, because everybody has something about money in the relationship, because we have to deal with money. All right. So, and you know, money is a common cause of conflict and tension in relationships. I'm sure you've heard it before. If it's if it's current in your relationship, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, or maybe it's been true in a past relationship. Who knows? And you don't think it's true now, like I said. But, you know, and too often couples can have a lot of compatibility in a lot of areas, but then the money one falls off. So, and how we relate to money has a lot to do with our thoughts and beliefs about money. And these beliefs develop in early childhood and they build and grow as we moved into adulthood. Susie Orman talks a lot about this really well, so I'm not going to get too into it now, but these beliefs develop in early childhood and build and grow as we move into adulthood. And maybe you think your parents taught you nothing about money, but trust me, you've learned plenty from them. So maybe you believe if you believe or part of you believes that money is the root of all evil or maybe you grew up with a lot of scarcity so you fear being without money 
Maybe you grew up uh, in a kind of household where rich people were seen as negative or bad. So the idea of having money makes you think you're going to be in that category. Maybe you're in a family where people don't make a lot of money and there's a certain loyalty you have about not making a lot of money and being separate from the rest of your family. You might, uh, maybe you're somebody who works hard and you believe you deserve to treat yourself. That's again, a belief about money. Or maybe you think it's important to buy a house and that renting is a waste of money. I just heard this the other night with a couple I was working with. Uh, That's a belief. It's not a fact. It's not true. It's a belief. So whatever your beliefs, they're often below the surface. In other words, you don't even realize you have them. You just think certain things are right. And I have to tell you with this uh, couple I worked with the other night, you know, the uh, it was actually the woman who was arguing that they were wasting all this money on rent. And the husband was to him, he didn't want, he weren't sure where they were going to end up. He didn't want to own a house. He loved being able to like call the superintendent, you know, when something went wrong, the toilet needed to be unstuck or whatever, that there was a lot of things they didn't have to take care of themselves. And he felt like this is the way to live, you know, that, yeah, money that when you, buy a home, there's certain perks, but there's also certain negatives. And and he's, and he's as right as she is. So anyway, these are all beliefs. And when you get with a partner, there's often a culture clash when it comes to money, believe it or not. You might be both from the United States, but if one of you, let's say, comes from money and one of you comes from scarcity, that's like growing up in two different countries. Uh, or even these two, this couple the other day, they both came up, you know, grew up in roughly the same sort of socioeconomic background, but have very different ideas of what money should and shouldn't be for. So um, this husband's idea wasn't that money is the only thing to, you know, the you have to always make the smart financial decision. He also felt like his mental health was important and that sometimes you lose a little money money, like paying rent and not buying a house, but that your day-to-day life was happier and better and you had less stress. So that was worth it. She didn't think that way. So you can see, again, these are just beliefs. Now, the bottom line is that money doesn't have to wreak havoc on your love life. So because a lot of times any tension about money will naturally uh, bleed into other aspects of your relationship and you might find yourself forgetting the last time you had sex or felt close to your partner. It can feel like a battle generally when you don't agree as this couple was when they came to see me. So with the right information and a change in your thoughts about money, even financially incompatible couples can find a way to live happily ever after as far as I'm concerned. So I've been doing this work a long time, as you know, and I've really been working. I always work with couples around their finances. And uh, and if you're in couples therapy with anybody, that's something, you know, that should be talked about. Make sure that that's something that comes up. So let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about our beliefs. So belief number one uh, that I think a lot of people have about money and that's getting in the way of a happy life is that this belief that we have to combine our money or we're setting ourselves up for divorce. I've heard this quite a bit over the years and it was definitely common in previous generations to have one account. You got to remember this grew out of the fact that women weren't even allowed to have their own credit cards until 1974. Hello. Yeah. And often weren't working outside the home. So yeah, you had one account. That's how it was. So there was one income and men usually decided how it was spent. They were generally the primary breadwinner. And again, this isn't that long ago. It's the 
world. I, I, you know, I've, I've been alive before 1974. So, uh, this isn't that I'm not that old. Uh, this isn't that long ago that we used to think this way. So there was, uh, a time when, again, men usually decided how the income was spent because they were the primary breadwinner. Women were often given this kind of house allowance. And that was that. Now, I work with couples now where women are given a house allowance. Uh, again, man might be the primary breadwinner and the woman maybe is taking care of children or the house or however that might look. And there's sort of a, yeah, kind of a monthly allowance that's designated. And there's maybe was one conversation at some point about what that meant. But, you know, as things change, you know, the 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 woman, the wife or the girlfriend, whatever, might have to go back to the man and ask for money, that kind of thing. It gets really kind of weird, I think. And it really, it sets up something where there's a father-daughter relationship. And then men come to me wondering why they're not having more sex with their wives. I'm like, no woman wants to have sex with her dad. Okay. That's not, that's not how it's going. So if, if it, that's happening in that kind of power struggle, that is definitely bleeding over into your sex life. Now, Things are different now. And although <laughs> many couples still have joint accounts, others do keep separate accounts and some have both. There's what really my point with this is that there's no one right way to do it. You can do whatever you want as long as it's fair and doesn't create resentments. So what does happen a lot with these sort of joint accounts, but where there's this sort of, um, I'm sorry, with these, the people, they have a joint account maybe for like, I don't know, the mortgage and stuff, but then there's these sort of separate accounts, um, where, uh, this house allowance might go in for a woman, let's say, and just again, with this arbitrary number that was picked. And then she's resentful because she has to ask permission for other money. Um, she, you know, she gets a certain amount of money, but maybe the, the man has all the rest, you know, and he can decide whatever he wants to do with that. And this idea that, well, I make the money so I can decide where it's spent and that we're not equal partners. Again, it's a really big problem. So one more time, when you're looking to have intimacy and true emotional vulnerability, you can't feel like you're, someone else has more power than you. That, that doesn't work that way. Uh, so you really, you got to think about these things. So you don't have to combine your money, to, you know, you don't have to, but you also don't have to not, you know, you also can. There's different ways to do it. So again, everyone needs to agree, not just the person making the most money. Uh, that That's the biggie on all this. Okay. So that's number one. That's the belief number one that gets in the way. So let's talk about belief number two. This one comes up a lot. This belief that it's your debt. I hear this a lot. Uh, these days, you know, people are getting married later and more women are going to college. So many individuals come into a marriage with student loan or credit card debt. Uh, lots of people have had full lives before they get married. If you get married when you're in your, even in your early thirties, you've had 10, 12 years or more to rack up debt or loan money or whatever. So maybe you've tried a business on your own and it failed or, or you do have the business, but you know, it's taken a while to earn money. Who knows? So this idea that where individuals and a couple think it's the other person's debt and why should I be responsible for decisions they made about money before we even got together? This is what I hear. And I say, seriously, you're going to build a life with someone and you think you can separate his and hers with debt? Why do you even want to is actually my big question. Why is this this big thing? So think about it. you're trying to be 
Sharing your life with someone means emotional closeness, vulnerability, intimacy. Why is money outside of that realm? Why is that separate? If someone came into your life with a child, would you have nothing to do with that kid? Well, you made that decision before we got together, so I don't want anything to do with this child. How would that even work? It's It doesn't work. That's why. Now, when I say that, most people balk and they go, well, of course not. They have a child. Well, I know going in and, you know, I've decided to accept this child and, you know, well, yeah. Didn't you know going in there was debt? I'm sure you did. If you didn't talk about it, that's on you. But... (laughs) you know, didn't you talk about these things? If there was debt, it's the same kind of thing. And just like you can't decide, oh, this person has this kid and I'll have nothing to do with it. Of course it affects you. Of course you should have something to do with this child because it affects your day-to-day life without a doubt. Well, the money does too. If your partner is paying off all this debt and they're in it again alone and they're just trying to do it, it of course affects you. It affects how much money they bring into the relationship. It It affects how tense they are, how much stress they have. And again, this idea, I talk about it so much where people forget that you're one shared resource in a couple. Anything that stresses your partner stresses you. Couples do this a lot when they, especially when they have kids and they'll, you know, I drove little Sophie to soccer practice on Tuesday. So it's your turn to drive Jake to tennis lessons on Friday. It's your turn to put away the dishes, you know, all this exactly, you know, 50-50, all this crap. It's crap. I'm saying it out loud. You, you can't go there, people. When you drain your partner, if you're always looking to your partner. Um, so f- for example, I get this a lot. I'm just going to go off topic for one minute. But um, I had a actually a woman in a couple I worked with and she was uh, leaving town on a business trip. And she was you know, just talking about, yeah, my husband's going to have all this stuff, you know, when I'm gone and, you know, I'm trying to make it as easy as I can. And, and I said to her, well, why aren't you bringing in some help for him while you're gone? Like, how about having the cleaning lady come a little extra or, you know, setting up carpools or something where he doesn't just all of a sudden take on all your work in addition to his work. And it had literally never occurred to her. And they've done this for years. And back and forth. Sometimes he had business trips and the same thing. She just had to kind of suck it up while he was gone and deal with the kids and the dogs and the, you know, everything. And we do this and then think about it. You come back from your business trip or let's even say you go on a little fun vacation. I've had this too. If you come back and you're all rejuvenated, that's lovely. But if your partner is just trashed because they've just had this horrible week working full time and taking care of the kids full time, guess what? It, they're trash. So do you think you two are going to come together with all this vibrancy and energy and enthusiasm and excitement? No, <laughs> one of you is depleted. So it, it, that idea, you know, of bringing in resources, of helping the couple, of building the two of you up so that one of you isn't drained while one of you, oh, gets a break. You want both of you to get a break. You want both of you to not feel so drained. So it's the same with the debt thing. You know, if one of you is having this, then you both have it. So The answer really is instead of thinking of it as his debt or her debt, I want you to think of it as our debt. I want you to brainstorm how you're going to pay it off together. (laughs) You know, how together, like what ideas can we come up with? And if debt is a big issue with your partner where maybe they get into debt a lot, you know, and they keep doing it, then you have to talk about that too. I mean, you do, you have to talk about how that's going to shift and change if that's not, you know, that's not viable in the relationship. 
And if his or her debt, if your partner's debt is really that big a deal, then maybe that's a deal breaker. You got to think about it. Again, you're looking to have an emotionally close, intimate relationship and you're already talking about separating things and having a you and a me, a you problem and a me and me stuff. That this is not good, people. It, everything is an our problem. Everything is something to be approached together. So if you've got the person of your dreams in front of you, I think you're crazy to let something like money get in the way. You can make more money. You, you can't necessarily find a great person. So in the end, money isn't the thing that's going to make for a happy life. It's the quality of the person you choose. And if you think you've got your person, that this person has, you know, all the pieces and the money, the debt thing is there, then figure it out. Figure it out together as a team. (laughs) That's the way to go. Okay. So that's number two. Let's get on to number three. Uh, Belief number three that's hurting your relationship or getting in the way. And that's labeling. I see this and hear this a lot. I'll hear couples label each other like that one is good with money and one is bad with money. I hear this a lot. Uh, she, I'll hear she's not good with money or he's a spender and I'm a saver. You, you're wrong. No one is right or wrong with money in a relationship. You just find different things important. Everyone is a spender. Everyone's a spender. <laughs> it's just... You spend on different things and judge what that means based on how you were raised and what you believe about money. Think about it. So, uh, and I've talked about this before, you know, my, my partner, he loves, uh, you know, working out and he has, goes to a kind of a fancier sort of gym. My partner is not, my man is not fancy guy, but he loves working out so much that he actually pays sort of higher money for a really nice club, you know, where he has all the amenities and all the things he loves. So he can really get a great workout. And he does these, I talked about before, he does Spartan races and we, we fly around and go to these races and, you know, he's love, you know, he has some equipment for these things and special socks and shoes or whatever, and just the price of the races and the flying and the staying, all that's important to him. Is it important to me? No. Is it something I would spend money on? No. But I don't consider him a spender and me a saver or whatever, or he's bad with money and I'm good or whatever. That's ridiculous. He's great with money. It's it's not about that. It's about this is something he finds important. Now I find shoes important. I think shoes are a really important part of life. I love them. They make me happy. I like having lots of them. So (laughs) that's where, you know, that kind of income is where I would spend, instead of going on these trips, I would spend it on shoes. It doesn't make one right and one wrong. You know, someone can look and go, well, that's working. He's working out he's being healthy. So that's right. And what you're doing is superficial and silly and shoes, you know, you don't last, but your body's so important. Um, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I I don't buy it. So (laughs) I think my shoes are just as important. I love them. They give me great, great joy. So guess what? Uh, that, that makes it worth it. I have, um, there's some people who, you know, think, um, buying a home or versus renting that renting is a waste of money. You know, that's bad. You shouldn't do it. It's a waste of money. It's, that's not true. Renting isn't a waste of money. And I had a couple actually very recently who were arguing about this, which is why I'm thinking about it. 
And she, she wanted to buy a house and he didn't, you know, they had a lot going on. They just, they had a new baby and which is one of the reasons she was really onto buying a house, but they both worked. It was, there's a lot going on in their lives. And, and his thing was, listen, right now, if the toilet gets stopped up in the middle of the night, I call someone and they come to fix it. You know, right now I don't, if, if the tree, like they had, I guess a tree that needed to be taken out in their front yard, the the roots were getting in the way of something, you know, he said, I called the landlord. They took care of it. He said, all this stuff isn't on us. It's all the stress I don't have to deal with. So the fact that the money right now to me is worth it because my mental health is more important than money. Then yeah, maybe the best, most excellent financial decision would be to buy a house, but that's not what's important to me. So that doesn't make him wrong, right? And it doesn't make her wrong that she wanted a house. She To her, it meant safety. It meant uh, nobody could make the move. No one could just raise their rent. And, you know, they, they, they had some control over, no one could ever kick them out of where they were with their new little baby. You know, she wanted a nest. <laughs> so both of them were right. It's not about right or wrong, or both of them had valid points, I should say. It's about you know, you got to figure it out together. You know, the key is to figure out a budget that works for the both of you, beliefs that work for the both of you, and to really try to understand what other people's beliefs are and not decide that they're wrong just because you don't hold the same ones. Okay, the fourth money belief you have that is likely hurting your relationship is what they don't know can't hurt them. Uh, this is all about hiding money in a relationship, and it is more common than you think. It can take on a lot of different forms. So sometimes it means lying about how much something costs so you don't upset your partner. What, $200 on a pair of shoes? $300 for a haircut? 20 bucks for a block of cheese? These are all mine. <laughs> Uh, not that I hide, uh, but these are all, you know, right? Someone could go crazy thinking this stuff. Are you kidding me? That's nuts. Um, other times it might be something like not telling your partner when you work overtime and you have some extra money. You know, I work the extra hours, so it's really my choice what I want to do with it. Maybe you're thinking that, you know, I didn't have to work and I chose to, so I should be the one that benefits. But again, you got to remember that when you work quote unquote extra, when you work overtime, it is taking away from the relationship. It is taking away from your bandwidth, from your willpower, from your ability to be wonderful and well rested and happy and calm, which means it is affecting your partner. So this idea that how much you work, that you get to do what you want with it, that's that's not that's not right. Um, it might be something really big. I've had people hide very large assets. You know, I'll just keep this next nest egg separate. So I have some insurance in case this person leaves me or we get divorced. You know, keeping money secrets in a relationship undermines it, pure and simple. If your partner doesn't like something, you need to find an agreement and budget for it. These conversations are key to an open, emotionally close relationship. Secrets around money create distance, okay? That's what they do. When you have a secret about money, it creates distance because you're holding something. It's an energetic thing. It's out there. Your partner's probably picking up on it too. But what it really means at the end of the day, if you're keeping a secret, is that you don't trust your partner. You don't trust them uh, 
with their reaction, what reaction they're going to have about that $300 pair of shoes. You don't trust their, that they're going to stay with you maybe. So you need to have that insurance, you know, that little nest egg on the side, whatever it is at the end of the day, it means you don't trust them and you're not willing to risk. And I, uh, my son says this all the time. You got to risk it for the biscuit. I mean, you have, I I don't know what movie that's from. I'm sure it's from something, but you got to take a risk with your partner. You can't just uh, think that, oh, they don't know about it, so it's not going to hurt them. That energy is in the relationship. It's very much like if you are having an affair outside of your relationship, um, having sex with other people, that energy comes into the relationship, whether you're, even if your partner has agreed, it's okay for you to go have sex when you're on business trips. I don't know. There's, there's relationships like this. That energy still enters into your relationship. There's still a way that you're distracted, that you're thinking about someone else. All of that stuff affects your partner. So definitely hiding money is common uh, in a lot of ways, and it might be in a little way, but it's definitely there. And you really want to think that through and create something together that you can agree to. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay. The fifth belief that's probably hurting your relationship that you don't realize you have about money is that money is the most important thing. You know, these days it is harder and harder to make ends meet. Uh, I live in the Bay Area right now and the cost of living is crazy and money just doesn't go as far as it once did. So making money you know, and thinking that that's the be all end all is a big mistake. And it's easy to go there when it's so hard to make ends meet. And I say this all the time that you can make money, but you can't make peace. You know, there's ways to make more money. There's ways to figure out money, but making peace is a different thing. Making peace with yourself, with your partner. So, and sometimes throwing money at something so you can have peace in your life is the very best option. Remember the couple I talked about earlier where he didn't want to own and she did, she wanted to buy a house. To him, it was really the best option not to buy because it was he was spending more money maybe, but he felt calmer. He felt better in the world. I, you have to think about that. Holding on to money at the cost of your well-being and day-to-day happiness is a problem. Really think about what you're arguing about. Choose your battles wisely. Having a nuclear war over the 20 extra dollars your partner paid because they chose the more expensive gardener or something, you know, it's just not worth it. If they're, you know, again, buying something or doing whatever, this is why creating financial rules in your relationship and really talking about these things openly is so important. The So that you don't 
have these, you know, these crazy things happen. You don't have someone spending wildly that you really can come together and decide what's the most important thing to us. And I'm going to talk about uh, having a monthly financial meeting in a moment. Um, But just to understand that really being in the moment, you know, with your money, with your partner and planning really, you know, having these closer, intimate relationships with money and your partner and planning and thinking about what you want to do with it and not just uh, doing, oh, well, that's going to save us the most money or that's going to do something, you know, very specific without taking into account what mental health costs there's going to be. You can't do it. And I'll give you the best example for this is that often couples (laughs) will, I've had this more than once where a couple would come to my office and, you know, I'm not the cheapest therapist in town. So they get all the way over here. They're probably going through rush hour again. I live in the Bay Area. They're paying babysitters. They're putting out all the, you know, maybe they're leaving work early to get here in time, all this stuff, right? They're doing all this stuff to come to me. They're sitting in the session, giving up that time. And this comes up a lot where I'll say something like, hey, why don't you guys get a cleaning lady more often or a cleaning person, I should say, could be men. Uh, Why don't you get a gardener twice a week instead of once a week or what? You know, if there's just things that I think they could take off their plate instead of them arguing and fighting about who's taking out the garbage um, or who's walking the dog, I'm like, hire a damn dog walker. Uh, Make your kids take out the garbage. You know, look for something outside your couple dumb to pay for these things and pay for these things so that they just get done. But I'll often have someone in the couple go, well, that's ridiculous. You know, um, maybe the, if the wife stays home, maybe the husband's saying, well, I'm already, you know, I'm already working all I can. She's home. She shouldn't need a cleaning lady. She already has one once, you know, once every other week. Why does she need it more? Or, um, why do we need one at all? I have that, you know, or even if they're both working, sometimes it's this idea like, oh, we don't need any more help. We're barely making it as it is. And I always point out to them, you just spent all this money to come to me. And it's a lot, you know, to come and to take time out of your schedule and to maybe use PTO and to pay for me and the babysitters and everything else. This is this huge thing. So (laughs) why are you willing to do this and not pay for a cleaning person? Um, You know, what, think about it. But again, that we get something in our heads about what's right, what's okay, that it's not right to have to pay for someone to do whatever or to drive the kids to school or to pick up the kids after school or just any help you can get. Um, We shouldn't have to do that. We should just be able to do it. And the should is very nice, but it it doesn't get you far. Okay. Not always. Okay. That's number five. Money is the belief that money is the most important thing can definitely get in the way of your relationship and hurt it and understanding that your mental health is the most important thing, not the money. Okay. Belief number six that is likely getting in the way of you and a happy relationship is that you're equals, but everything, uh, so everything should be split 50, 50. No, (laughs) that's a big no. It doesn't matter who makes more money, right? Doesn't matter. If you have any power plays, it's bad. You know, these will show up in other places like the bedroom. I'll tell you that right now, but they'll show up in a lot of ways, passive aggressiveness, downright aggressiveness, all kinds of things. If you're making 30% more money than your partner, then your partner shouldn't be responsible for 50% of the bills. If you're both working, but you're making 30% more, then it's not 50-50. Splitting bills needs to be on a percentage basis if that's what you're doing. Physically paying the bills doesn't mean you get to make all the decisions either. 
So I just want to say that also. There's So l- let me just start with that first thing of the percentages. You got to remember that equality and equity are two different things. So there's a great... Um, picture that says this better, but I'll explain it. I'll try to. So there's a great picture of like three people watching a game, watching like a baseball game over a fence. And they each have a little box that they're standing on to watch over the fence. But, uh, and this box is the exact same height. Okay. That's, that's a quality. The boxes are all the exact same height, but you know, the first person is, let's say, six feet. The second person is five feet five. And the third person is a little kid and they're, you know, four feet 10. And the fence is, is let's say, five and a half feet tall. So the first person can see really fine. The second person can barely see. They kind of have to stand their tiptoes and they're uncomfortable. And the third person can't see at all. So it's equal. They have, you know, these equal things they're standing on, but it's not, it's not what, it's not really equity and equity would be that they're all standing there and that the little thing they're standing on the box they're standing on would be at different sizes considering how they are different how each one of them is different and there's a lot of ways you can take this for race and um, ethnicity and all kinds of things and gender and all that but I'm talking about money and so I really want you to think about this whole idea of how you pay bills how that works in your house um, maybe you think you're the one that's quote unquote good with money and your partner's not going back to one of the other uh, beliefs that gets in the way. So you're the one who does all your bills, you pay everything, you get everything out. And what happens sometimes with that is that you end up making more of the decisions if you're that person. And that doesn't really work. So physically paying the bills doesn't mean you get to make all the decisions. Have both of you pay the bills by sharing maybe back and forth so you can both keep informed. Now, one of you might pay the bills because the other one works full time and one of you is home. So goes, oh, I'll pay the bills. That'll be part of my job. But again, there has to be a way that you share this responsibility, even if it's just that you both talk about it, even though you, you know, physically go online and send the checks through your bank. But there has to be a time when you come together. And again, I'll talk about that in a minute. So, and if you're the sole breadwinner, again, it doesn't matter you're still equals when it comes to deciding how to spend the money you earn. If you don't want to share your money and the power and control that comes with that, then you probably don't want to share much else. So maybe a relationship isn't the thing for you. Maybe get a pet. I don't know what to tell you. Like this is part of it, people. I can't tell you how many couples I've hit in who just really think that, well, I make the money so I get to decide where it goes. But that is going to spill out in so many places in your home. So you really want to come together and decide together how things are, uh, you know, decided, how money is decided, what, how, what gets paid when. Uh, okay. And then number seven, the seventh belief you likely have that is hurting your relationship is what I, and it's a quickie, but it's called, I call it collaborate, don't divide. So instead of spending energy criticizing or worrying about your partner's spending, figure out mutual goals you have for the couple. What's important to you both? you know, stop being defensive. Instead, get curious and ask questions. It's not, you know, how could you do or think that? It's tell me where that thinking thinking comes from, or could you tell me what, you know, what you're thinking and what's behind that, something like that. So you can really start to understand what your partner is talking about. You want to, again, collaborate, not divide, not decide that they're wrong, you're right, but to 
come together with what you think. Okay, so these are the, I'm just going to quickly say them again, the seven ways, beliefs you have that are hurting your relationships, seven beliefs you have about money that are hurting your relationships. One is that the whole idea that we have to combine our money or we're setting ourselves up for divorce, like that there's one right way to do money and accounting. Two, this idea that it's your debt, that if you come into a couple with debt, that it's their problem, not a, it's a you problem, not a we problem. Uh, this whole number three is labeling one person as good with money and one is bad with money or one is a spender and one is a saver. Get rid of that language. Uh, number four is hiding money. You know, what they don't know can't hurt them. It, it, yes, it can. So hiding money, not okay. Or lying about it in any way. Number five is thinking money's the more, most important thing over your mental health. It is not. You, again, need to think that through. Number six is the idea of equality versus equity. So that everything should be split 50-50. It should not, depending on, uh, you know, who makes more money. You can look at percentages or one person might be the sole breadwinner. They don't get to decide all the, all the answers to everything. And then seven is collaborate, don't divide. So again, it's an us problem. It's a we issue. It's not a you and you're wrong and I'm right. We're getting out of that. So what's the answer to all this? Okay, Abby, you great. You outlined all these beliefs that are sucking and hurting my relationship. Now what? Well, of course I always have an answer. I never leave you feeling depressed. Let's not do that. So the big answer to take care of all these beliefs and get everyone on the same page is to have a monthly financial meeting. It's my favorite thing. Now, I'm going to give you a special link giveaway today to my financial meeting outline. Um, and I also have a budget template that we will put up also. So if you go to the show notes on the website, this is episode 20, you can get the look at through the show notes, but you can... Um, also, uh, <laughs> you can get these links. Okay. So I'm going to give these to you. So you have, so you don't have to, if you're listening to this in the car while you're driving or whatever, you don't have to memorize it right now, but, um, by it's incredible to make a change and get everyone on the same page, these monthly financial meetings. I, I have seen very little change relationships as much as these. I have to tell you, it's incredible. So by sitting down each month and going over your budget and goals, you'll find yourselves collaborating as a couple. And I'm going to give you a quick example. I worked with a couple a while back who came to me because they were headed for divorce, totally, when they walked in the door. The husband was being distant and angry, and the wife was reacting to this, and she was being kind of needy and nagging, frankly. Um, and he really, frankly, was being kind of an asshole. And they were in a miserable cycle. What's interesting is that money was not something they ever had an issue with. He was the sole breadwinner, and he was making a lot of money, enough for them to have, you know, they had a big house, they had cars, they had vacations, they send all their three kids to private school. So I told them to have a, start having a monthly financial meeting anyway, even though this wasn't something they came in with. And they originally really fought me on it. You know, this is the only area we don't have issues. <laughs> they both were saying, I persisted because I'm bossy and controlling. And so they started having these monthly meetings and initially found them a waste of time, but they really stuck with it. And this kind of magical thing happened at around meeting number uh, they couldn't remember if it was meeting three or meeting four, but it was pretty early on. The husband said something about to the wife in the meeting about how much he hated his job and felt trapped because of his, you know, he had this need to provide for the family. Now, his wife smartly started talking about this. She It was kind of the first way she'd ever heard him talk in this way. You know, she said, I'd heard him complain about the job, things like that, but not this idea of how trapped he felt and how 
really resentful he was. And she said she had this aha moment of, well, no wonder he's so resentful and angry and being an a-hole all the time. He's, he's feeling so trapped, like he doesn't have any choices. So when they came into their next session after this meeting, they were really a different couple. You know, he didn't, he hadn't seen any way out of this trap because of his beliefs about how important their lifestyle was to his wife and kids. So he wasn't really sharing his misery. So she didn't know what was going on. She didn't realize how bad it was. You know, the occasional remarks and stuff, she didn't add them up. Once it was out there, this woman was highly motivated to change their financial situation. It was incredible to watch. You know, um, like many of the couples I work with, this wife had been, you know, she was college educated. She had stayed home to take care of the kids and all that and had left her career. Uh, she was actually a, a physician. But, um, you know, she's <laughs> crazy. But, you know, her reasoning was simple in the whole picture. She's, she said, she came in, she said, I'd rather have an intact family and a happy marriage than a cruise to the Bahamas every year. Like, this is what I want. And they worked together to create a three-year plan for the husband to leave his job and for them to still be able to have a secure financial future. They were both open to having a different lifestyle and started working together to make that happen. It was amazing. I mean, they brainstormed all kinds of things, including her going back to work or teaching or all this other stuff and what she'd have to do with her license and what he could do differently. And I mean, it was amazing. And they actually stopped seeing me soon thereafter, which was fine with me because, you know, that's my job is just get you guys going in the right direction. You don't need me forever after that. And this is a just my favorite example of... Uh, when you really talk in these meetings, you're setting out what your goals are. You know, do we, our vacations are our most important thing. Is, you know, travel, is it schooling for the kids? Is it savings? Like, what is it? Like, what's most important? And how do we, as an us, work together? So if I decide not to buy that new pair of shoes, because I know the money is going towards our retirement and, I, and I'm motivated to that, then I'll do it. But if I see you, you know, out buying expensive wine bottles for your wine cellar, I'm making this up. And, you know, then you tell me not to do something, you know, then I'm not doing anything on my end and I'm giving up all these things. I'm going to get resentful and angry and I'm not going to want to do it. So if we both come together and decide, here's the things we're willing to give up or change or shift or whatever, because of this goal we have, which is exactly what happened this couple. Like they even talked about going down to one car. I mean, all kinds of stuff, you know, getting out of their leases and buying less expensive cars. And I mean, they were just on a tear. It was beautiful to see what was happening there. So this is true again and again with couples, this whole idea. It might seem like having a monthly financial meeting isn't really going to do much, but it does. And in ways you can't even imagine right now, it literally changes the landscape of your relationship. Um, you know, there might be fights, disagreements and discomforts on the way. Yeah. I mean, for sure. I've definitely had couples come in and go, that went horrible. Oh my God, that meeting was the worst. And that happens sometimes and it might happen more than once, but stick with it, stick with it. The outcome is definitely this, you know, happier, more satisfying marriage filled with all the things you want. Um, and so the bumps, you know, really feel worth it because it feels different. Now, the monthly uh, financial meeting outline that I'm going to uh, include and stuff with for you just really gives these this little outline. And really, I want the meeting to be about 30 to 45 minutes. I have about four points I lay out in the financial meeting outline of where what I want you to uh, hit on, how to keep the meeting going in the right direction. And it's, you know, you want that 
meeting to be a priority. So you really want to make a sacred time that isn't easily changed. The It should be, again, between like 30 and 45 minutes max, believe it or not. Uh, if you stay over long, everyone gets grumpy. So you don't want to do that. There's some basic rules to follow to make the meeting successful. And again, I outline these in the little giveaway I have. It's it's a quick, you know, quick sheet with just these top four points and some little spell out about it. And then I do have an Excel sheet just with a, a sample of a monthly budget template where you really look at all the things. A lot of people forget things like gifts. Oh, there's gifts for people. That's right. Haircuts. Yeah, it might only cost you, you know, a hundred bucks when you go get your haircut, but you have to account for that somewhere. And you and there's a lot of things we only do every few months. Maybe you pay your car insurance twice a year. Well, you have to allocate money every month so that it's sitting there. Um, you know, if you buy your cars, you should already be putting money away for your next car so that you have cash to pay for it when the time comes. All this, or at least for the maintenance, you know, have a money put aside for maintenance, all that. There's things that people forget very easily that need to be incorporated. So this just gives you an idea of what all those things are. Okay. And that's it for today. That is the, there go my seven beliefs that are hurting your relationship that you probably don't even know you have about money. And uh, the financial meeting outline and the monthly budget template uh, can be yours. You know, just come by, swing by the website, go to abbymedcalf.com forward slash podcast and um, look up this episode 20 and you will uh, find, you know, go to the bottom of the show notes and you'll find all the links that you need. In the meantime, if you haven't already, definitely, you know, follow me on Facebook, hit me up on, you know, LinkedIn even or Instagram or Twitter, wherever you like to be. Come say hi. And I always like it when you leave a comment. That's always my favorite. And let me know what you think, what's helped, what hasn't. So I can really bring you what you want in the future. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast at www.abbymedcalf.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.